This is Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. You're listening to Flipping Tables. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And this is our first episode back since the network launch. Yeah, and I think we had... I don't want to say we had an amazing week. I want to say we had a really amazing week. Yeah, thank you all so much for the amazing launch. And uh turns out, uh, so we're, we have analytics through the way we serve up our MP3 files, so we can actually see which shows are doing better than others. And you might be surprised to find out that our most popular show of the last week was Likely Story. Yeah, their launch episode kicked our butts, yeah. our collective butts. Yeah, nice job, ladies. And so I, I threw a link to this in the show notes. I was so happy I was able to find it. But when I first saw that, you know, because they were on their first episode, we're on our 53rd episode now, <laughs> and I was just kind of like, oh, man, that that's yeah, – I mean, I'm happy for them, but – you know, a little, a little jealous. <laughs> and so I found the clip of uh, when Stephen Colbert breaks John Stewart's Emmy streak and John's all like – he's like, no, I'm, I'm happy for you. And then Stephen's like, I just really want you to be upset. And he's like, well, I would do that for you. But I can't because I'm an executive producer on your show. I win again. And he like <laughs> runs over and grabs one of the Emmys. And I was like, yeah, that's – yeah, we all win together. What's the yep. a rising tide? Lifts all boats. Lifts all boats, yeah. <laughs> so keep it up, likely Something story. Something like that. Um, that's all the meta for today. Um, <laughs> we got a couple quick topic stories, and uh, this one was really cool. Did you get a chance to look at this? Uh, the Japanese army made a giant sculpture out of snow of Star Wars characters. Yeah. And, and it's awesome. And by giant, like, cranes are involved, and they have to, like, use scaffolding to get around. Like, it's... I thought the purple lights on at the end were a little weird. Yeah. It's I don't really imagine Darth Vader and stormtroopers as purple, but whatever. It's I guess this is some contest, some like cuz this was sanctioned by Lucasfilm, which I guess is now Disney. <laughs> yeah. So the Disney Corporation sanctioned the Japanese army to make a scope. This is weird. Yeah. I, I didn't think about a how weird, weird collection this of words. Is. Yeah. Anyway, it looks cool. That's all, that's all that matters. <laughs> it does. It looks really cool. Um, so this Comcast one, this one is uh, – I don't know. This is just Comcast, Comcast kind of Comcast. But they change customer names to insults like whore and dummy and asshole. Yeah, but this isn't the first time they've accidentally shipped those names to customers with those names on their bill. Yeah. And this is coming from the consumerist, which is a, a pretty darn reliable source. And I like th- this person who had their name changed. Uh, who, which one was this? Uh, this was the dummy. The person who had their name changed to dummy. Um, they said, like, I haven't even contacted Comcast in, like, months. So they said, this person must have just found my account randomly and yeah. changed my name. It's not like they had a terrible, you know, customer service experience on the phone with it was yelling. Just, just earlier this week that someone had their name changed to Asshole Brown. Asshole Brown. And like Comcast, <laughs> you know, did like its old PR move of like, oh, it was one bad egg. We yeah, gotta, that you would know, never happen again. Uh, and then like the same week it happens again. It starts to get a little weak to, you know, the, oh, that one guy needed more training. Sorry. It's like, yeah, there's kind of a systemic customer service problem with your conglomerate. I wonder, do you think at this point, 
are are disgruntled Comcast customers getting jobs at Comcast to like <laughs> do false flag operations <laughs> and make them look worse from the inside? Or is Comcast so terrible that that's not even necessary? The thing is, even if that was true, <laughs> Comcast can't use that as PR. Like, oh, no. People hate yeah. us so much they take jobs with us. <laughs> To disrupt things and get fired because it always looks worse on you than on the crazy people that would do something like that. Yeah. No, it's bad. And no conspiracy theory makes this into a positive for Comcast. Uh, our next topic, uh, Nintendo's releasing a brand new 3DS. Ooh. And it, it's they kinda, like attaching the word new to things. Yeah, new Super Mario Brothers and, and so forth. Um, and... You know, if you if you don't pay attention to game consoles, it could get kind of confusing on which 3DS do I buy <laughs> and what are the differences. Basically, this one has slightly more powerful hardware, but I don't think it's really going to change the games much. Um, it has a little second analog nub thing, so you can kind of do two, two analog stick 3D games. Um, but most importantly to me is it does face tracking. It has a little front-facing camera sensor that can tell where your eyes are. So previously, if you ever used 3DS and turned on 3D mode, you kind of had to position your face perfectly in the right spot and distance um, to get the 3D effect. And let's say you're playing a game like you know Ocarina of Time and you're using gyroscope aiming guess how hard it is to keep your face oh, in the exact yeah, right spot. And you got to like tilt your entire upper body yeah. as one unit. So basically you turn 3D <laughs> off. And I mean, some people weren't that big on the 3D effect anyway and might have turned it off. But having this face tracking means you can you have a way bigger viewing angle. You can basically hold it however you want and still have a decent shot at seeing the 3D. And so were you a 3D guy? Did you use 3D most of the time? I would, you know, you get numb to it quickly, so I would <laughs> switch back and forth. And, like, after I'd had it turned off for a while, I'd turn it on and be like, whoa. It'd be like <laughs> the, the future. The Hitchcock shot where you pull the camera back while zooming in or it's vice a, versa. It's a dolly zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> Basically to dolly zoom the game every once in a while. Um, not exactly, but kind of. Um, anyway, that might convince me to leave 3D on more if it would just be more comfortable because I wouldn't have to manage my head space so much, so consciously. You know what bums me out about this? <clears throat> so, of course, they released this in Japan first, uh, I think in like November for yeah. Christmas time. And now that they're bringing it to the States, and that's fine. What bothers me is the Japanese one has the cool like throwback Famicom colors on the buttons. And in the U.S. release, because everything's got to be like gray and dull brown here <laughs> the buttons are gray but then the letters are colored so it's like really <laughs> muted and subdued but the japanese one is like all fun and bright yeah you know? i yeah. love it everything's got to be serious i've seen advertisements <laughs> on tv while i was watching better call saul and uh it's all 30 year olds with like beards and stuff talking <laughs> about it and i was like yeah nintendo's not yeah, kids probably want this too, but they're not kidding around that thirty-year-olds no. are still playing Nintendo. It's like when they uh, <clears throat> when they first marketed the Wii, and it was like the you know the like we would like to play all those commercials. <laughs> like there were kids about, yeah, but it was because they were playing with like their parents and grandparents and their neighbors. Like it wasn't they weren't really targeting kids. Yeah, although I think it had the most success with smaller children. Absolutely, but, but they they really were like, "Hey, forty year olds, you remember the Nintendo? This is a Nintendo. <laughs> Come play Nintendo." 
I do have to say I'm really excited for Majora's Mask is being remade for 3DS. I think it comes out in a week or so. I am really excited to borrow your copy of Majora's <laughs> Mask after you beat it. Yeah, I'll make sure I get the the, the cart and not digital. Yeah, um, yes, for my sake, that is how you should spend your money. I've bought I bought more Majora's Mask for N64. I bought it for Wii when they released it through the Virtual Console, and I'll buy it again. At least this time there are upgrades. So the the Wii is just an N64 port. Yeah. So this is an actual update. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the new 3DS it takes advantage. You can control the camera independently from Link. Okay. If you have the new 3DS, because you, you need the extra nub. Yeah. So, okay, that actually brings me to a question. Do you feel like there's an opportunity here for Nintendo to make cool new mobile games that rely on the double nub? Or do you think the nub will be an afterthought because they don't want to exclude people who have the old 3DS? (laughs) I think it'll mostly be minor enhancements. I don't think it'll be entire game genres existing because of it i think it'll make any sort of fps more enjoyable on the 3ds that yeah well because you otherwise you have the resident evil walking or aiming though i was a fan of i mean i realize this isn't the way you want to play most games but metroid prime had a lock-on system kind of like zelda and Mm, so forth mm. except it was first person and you didn't need to strafe so much or really actually you didn't need to free look so much right um, you could get by because you would just lock on when you needed to actually shoot something. Yeah, I think you can get away with something like that when the point isn't to be a sharpshooter. Yeah, like Metroid's it, more about are you using the right weapon for the situation. Right. And so I, did you hear about the plug thing with the new 3DS? No. Okay, so the new 3DS, at least in Japan, maybe it might be different in the States, but in Japan it shipped without an adapter. Like, they just assume everyone was buying their third 3DS. That's exactly what they assumed. They were like, no one's going to buy this who doesn't already own a 3DS. And if they do, they can just buy a plug. <laughs> Which is, it's... I think don't think they're doing that in the U.S. Yeah, I don't think so either. But, and I don't know, I, I haven't... It was like it got announced and then I didn't hear any backlash. So I guess it went over okay in Japan. Or maybe the backlash just wasn't enough to cross the ocean. I don't yeah. know, but... So I'll be interested to see when you get one if it comes with a plug or not. You already have one, so you'll be okay. Yeah. Well, not if I want to sell that one. <laughs> then I got to buy a new plug or tell the person that. <laughs> oh, sorry, buddy. I lost the plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Majora's is definitely a shut up and take my money. Um, <laughs> so I think it was Benji that shared with us this tomato glitch. Do you want to tell us what this is all about? Yeah. So in Smash Brothers, uh, going back at least to Melee, maybe to the original. Uh, there was a food health pick-me-up thing. And I don't know what the M is for, but it's a big tomato <laughs> with an M on it. Do you know what the M is for? No. I have no idea. So there's this tomato you can pick up, and it gives you back like a ton of your damage percentage. It's not life. I don't know. It, gives you, it lowers your damage percentage. And uh, this it's, cr- Okay, it's from Kirby. It's a Maxim tomato. Okay. I should have guessed Kirby. Adorable, weird Kirby. <laughs> Angry. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, this glitch only on this one, like, this guy's girlfriend's 3DS, only on the 3DS version of uh, of the new Smash Brothers, not on the Wii U version. It, every time you pick up an item, which are all tomatoes, by the way, <laughs> it also tomatoes whatever the effect is. So there's videos of him, and he's incredibly academic about it. Like, didn't you think that was weird? He's just, the whole video, he's like, you can see here if I pick up the tomato, then the tomato becomes a shield. B. Yeah, it's just like 
If, if I was, the jury will turn their attention. If I was doing this video, it would just be like, what the hell is wrong with my thing? It's broken. Everything's freaking to me. Like, he's just so, like, calm yeah. and academic. It's very, like, bug report. Like, he's filing this with Nintendo. But so, like, you know, there's lots of items that are, like, swords and guns. And when you pick them up, they're still tomatoes. But they behave normally. <laughs> Which is what makes the bugs so amazing to watch because you get exactly the behavior you would expect, which is none of the visuals you would expect. Which is fun for the things that are like bouncy. Like uh, there's like the spring thing where you touch it yeah. and it like sends you flying. So you're just like, oh, a tomato. And you touch it and you just go flying. <laughs> it's like he's waving it and it's like making the lightsaber like effect. It's pretty awesome. It's, it's definitely the, – there's two or three videos so far because he keeps like – reposting to prove that it's real and uh each one's like four or five minutes but they're just funny it's a lark <laughs> it's it's a laugh you having <laughs> a laugh um more zelda related news um netflix is rumored to be developing a series based on the legend of zelda live action i think was Li- specifically yeah. um well, thoughts on this feelings me, princess <laughs> excuse <laughs> me it's the potential for success and failure is gigantic. Yeah. I mean, that's that, – there's at this point, we don't know anything else. So it's like live-action Zelda. And it's like that's a huge window yeah. of opportunity to soar or opportunity to plummet to your death on the concrete below. And this is – here's a point that a lot of people have brought up in the past when it actually just came to putting voice acting in the games. And that's the fact that Link is the prototypical silent – protagonist he's an empty canvas because you are link yeah and so he pretty much only grunts or yells but (laughs) never says anything and i mean zelda's never been that dialogue heavy of a game it's usually an irritating owl or (laughs) some exposition you really don't care about yeah yeah yeah, ganon triforce got it um and so that's one of the things that will definitely not be zelda like is if they have link just being a talkative guy like in the old cartoon series and so, I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think they – what do you do? I, so, I mean, you can – I think the character has a personality. It's just a really low-level personality. Like he's a hero. He's a hero for the sake of being a hero. That not, doesn't make good drama. No, like, it, You need it motivations for your character besides I just love being good. But, okay, so let's get like really crazy. Could you write – and I'm actually asking because I don't know. Could you write a show that had that same level of I am that character that I'm watching or is the fact that you're consuming the media not interacting with the media make that impossible? I think that's the big sticking point. So my idea for dealing with this is you go bold and you don't make Link the main character. You make it about the world of Hyrule, and Link's just in the periphery. He's just in the background. He occasionally shows up, maybe. Maybe it's just people talk about him. But don't make him the main character. I mean, it is called The Legend of Zelda. Yeah. What if everything was like, what Zelda's doing while Link is off somewhere? I think there's tons the water of, temple, drowning. There's so much you could tell, and it doesn't need to be based on Link. So they would never do this, but what if it was from Ganondorf's point of view? <laughs> just Game of Thrones it. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because they keep the the sources those those sources of them familiar with all the matters. <laughs> <laughs> they, they said they want it to resemble Game of Thrones. 
but with a more family-friendly tone. Right, because Nintendo's not going <laughs> to... Well, it's not that. It's going to be the- ripping throats out. <laughs> <laughs> no red weddings. It's But saying family-friendly Game of Thrones is such a confusing... Because the only thing about Game of Thrones that is left if you make it family-friendly is that it's, like, fantasy-themed. That's it. Yeah. Like, everything else is, like, whores and murder and betrayal and <laughs> whores and throwing kids off towers and yeah. stabbing people. It's like there's just nothing childish or lighthearted about it. I mean, there's there's going to have to be some creativity going on because maybe it'll be more like a Miyazaki kind of thing like a princess mononoke but um you know a huge thing in zelda games is dungeons and puzzles and i just don't see that being a good story i mean you can do like indiana jones or you know like a lot of adventure movies have like puzzles yeah but it's not really like you spend hours you probably half the game in zelda is dungeons versus the towns and other stuff well and it would also be weird to have a character who's known for not speaking Standing there being like, I wonder if I push that statue onto that switch, then the door will be open and I can get through the door. Like, that would be very awkward. Yeah. I mean, they could just modify Link to be an an actual fleshed out human character. And it might be great. It's just going to be different. And maybe that's fine. You know, give him some childhood trauma, some... Hero's Journey, the movie, that's a Seventh Son movie that they keep showing trailers for, is so on the nose. I am the Hero's Journey, the movie. Yeah. You know, Jeff Bridges is just like, are you ready to fight for good or will you die? And I'm like, I don't want to do this. Tragedy in hometown. Guess I got to do this. Big dragon to fight at the end. See, but I like. I'll admit, I like that kind of schlock. What I don't like, no, that format works. I just don't like it being so on the nose in your face with it. But I'm even okay with that. I mean, I don't seek it out, but like, I'm okay with it. What I don't like is when they needlessly shoehorn a an existing franchise onto another medium just as an obvious cash grab. Yeah. That's why, like, if they turn this into Hero's Journey, the show, the game, the show, <laughs> then that would be weird because it's like you didn't – this franchise was already making you a mint. Like, did you really have to do this? Yeah. And so that's why I think, like, I think Zelda's point of view would actually be the most interesting. Like, yeah. especially because there are whole games to, where she's not captured. She's it, out doing stuff. It, yeah. Usually she still kind of gets Eventually. captured anyway. Yeah. Because even in Ocarina, even though she's chic – spoiler alert. Um, she still gets captured and is just waiting for you to rescue her. <laughs> but I'm saying it's not a uh, it's not a foregone conclusion that the object of the game is to rescue Zelda. The object of the game is to save Hyrule. Rescuing Zelda is like a side effect of that mission. I mean, you, especially like Ocarina is a good example because she's off doing stuff. Then she gets captured, but she then plays an integral role in the final battle. Yeah. Spoilers, I guess. So, so she gives you the bow you need to. Well, the then arrows like she, you need, and then she helps you escape. Yeah. She, she gives you the sword back, doesn't she? Doesn't Probably. she like toss it over to you? It's been a while. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's she is definitely a damsel in distress character, but she's not 
Princess Peach. Well, and this is She's a not chance. a completely helpless, worthless object. <laughs> this is a chance for them to combat that too, because there there has been more and more of a rising criticism of yeah, stop damseling everything and all the things. Like even though I think Nintendo's a pretty harmless example, I mean they're not God of War where you literally <laughs> put naked whores into machinery and crush them <laughs> so that your door stays open and then you're your character actually laughs at the corpse the and you're fact, just like, wow. The fact that that's like an actual sentence describing a thing that really happened is yeah. just like, whoa. But So, well, okay, was it – and I'm not saying they should go full 3DI, but wasn't one of the 3DI games Zelda was the CDI? main character? CDI, not 3DI. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Wand of Gamelon. Gamelon. <laughs> now we have to link to the video where he's like, I wonder what Ganon's up to. Uh, you do. I'm not bringing that up in my YouTube right now. But you know what I mean. So it's like there's there's these tiny little precedents set throughout the very expansive Zelda mythology where you could make a show where it's like here's – it's not necessarily Link is captured and it's role reversal because that's kind of, that's kind of corny. But it could be like it's Link gets captured and Zelda's the I hero. I just think it's it's about Hyrule not during the Triforce crisis of every millennia <laughs> where a green clad hero comes. Maybe that's part of the mythology of what people think about or whatever that's part of the world. Maybe Link exists and you just hear about him. <laughs> but yeah. I, hadn't, be, I hadn't really thought of that as an option, but that does make a lot of sense. Like this is – there, uh, there's a whole lot of life happening in the millennia between Ganon arrivals. Yeah. So let's see some of that. Yep. Uh, no, you've convinced me. That's the way they should do it. <laughs> if they don't make like a Zelda hero version. Right. Or I guess you could do both. It could be about the time in between when Zelda's running the kingdom, mm-hmm. doing stuff to save the day, being the hero, and then Link's just about. Link is just some stupid kid because he hasn't become the hero yet. <laughs> um so I guess we can get off Nintendo for a bit. Uh, a couple Twitter things. Um, turns out, so I didn't know, I guess I vaguely knew about this. So tweets weren't really in Google search much. Well, yeah. So for a while back in, in the day, um, Google had a direct fire hose to Twitter's data, meaning they didn't have to scrape Twitter's data like they scrape other websites. They could include tweet data live as it was happening. And then Twitter said no more. And that was like four years Maybe ago. Maybe they need it now. <laughs> yeah. So it's coming back. And this, this So is, like for new breaking news and some other stuff where like a rapid response would benefit. Yeah. Having it indexed more rapidly than 24 hours later. Or, exactly. So, I mean, this is I'm, – I'm just a fan of this not – I mean, I love Twitter mostly. <laughs> but but I, I'm really a fan of this just because I want – Google to index the world's information like that was their original mission and Twitter is largely public. Yeah. I mean, I know there's private accounts, but, but you're kind of doing it wrong if you're running a private Twitter account. Right. Sorry so, to the few people I know who actually <laughs> do that. I mean, yeah. It's a feature they have and use it for whatever you want, but it's just yeah, anyway, I'm not I don't have a big <laughs> yarn about that. But yeah, I just think it's interesting that Twitter's 
Because this is one of those things, like, this was at the beginning of them shutting down their API and locking down third-party yeah. clients. Like, the fact that they're opening back up to this might mean they don't have their heads all the way up their ass. Like, they might just be up to the eyebrows or the cheeks. And that's good, because at that point, you can still pull it back out. Um, there have been some fun stories of recent Twitter campaigns gone wrong, <laughs> though. So t- tell me about this Coke Gawker thing. So Coca-Cola started a hashtag campaign where you tweeted something at them like, you know, off to work on a Monday, hashtag make it happy. And then it would use like a simple algorithm to make a picture, like an ASCII picture from what you wrote. Yeah. And that's, it's, I mean, it's harmless. But the internet is involved. Yeah, but the internet. But I just want to say like this, that's it. It's not like they then started like spamming people and they were like, buy Coke, buy Coke, buy Coke, buy Coke. Like this was just a relatively harmless little PR move. Um, happiness for some weird reason is like Coke's yeah. thing. Because they can't argue for the merits of the product <laughs> yeah, in terms of health. They really can't. <laughs> um, so some people at Gawker Media or, or someone uh, at Gawker decided to start tweeting uh, lines from Mein Kampf, which is the book Hitler wrote in prison uh, right before he rose to power. Yeah. And – Hashtag make it happy. So then there were like pictures of little flowers, but it was made out of Mein Kampf and like pictures of race cars with smiley faces made out of Mein Kampf. And yeah. then Coke took it down once they realized what was happening and they were just like, Ugh. this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. I mean, cause I have to admit there's part of me that's like, that's kind of funny, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it's a little funny that someone saw an opportunity to like do a little troll thing, but at the same time, it's like really come, come on. And did it have to be that? Like, couldn't yeah. it have just been funny things? Like, couldn't you have just been a, t- a total yeah. 12-year-old and tweeted the word fart 10 I mean, times and then hashtag make it happy? <laughs> that would make me happy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Twitter accounts. Um, in more catastrophically, uh, Chipotle's Twitter account got hacked and their icon was changed to a swastika and it just kept tweeting out super hateful stuff. Yeah, this this one is not funny even by 10-year-old standards. Like, this is just hateful. Yeah, just, like, calling people the N-word and all sorts of other things. And and, and yeah, also uh, some Nazi stuff. But. Yeah, and you can see in a lot of these screenshots, like, directly replying to people. Yeah. So, like, someone would say, like, hey, Chipotle, something's wrong with your Twitter account. And then the account would be all, like, hate, 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 hate. And it's just like some really, you know, all caps, lots of slurs. And yeah. although the one funny thing did come out of this. So when their account was first compromised, and I, I assume this is, I don't know this, this is my assumption, but when someone changes their profile picture, it's cached in most clients. Um, I know because I've gone through this where I'm like, oh, I replied to someone, but it's still my old profile picture. Mm-hmm. So someone, at replied Chipotle and was like, hey, I think your account's been hacked. And then Chipotle replies with the little swastika avatar and is like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I found that, yeah, it's, yeah. if it's yourself, it tends to be cached pretty hard. Yeah. Because obviously most other people aren't following you and so they get the new icon because it's the first time they've looked at your account or something. Right. Um, 
But I just I thought that was a little funny. Like it's the idea that someone showed up. You in got a all Hitler the stuff uniform. on your face. You're like, what do you mean I got shit on my face? Yeah. Everything's fine. I can't see it. And then of course that little bit of hilarity immediately spiraled into yeah. internet. Hate. I feel bad for Chipotle, but also two factor off, bro. Yeah. <laughs> two factor off. Do you use it? No, you do not. Unless, I don't know if this has been resolved yet, but there is always the possibility it was an inside job. <laughs> but I don't think it was. I think it was some hateful moron. Because their password is probably shared among all their social media people, so it's probably like pass underscore Chipotle dash tweets or something stupid. Yeah, yeah get yourself One. a 20-character password and two-factor. Yeah. So, I, have they even recovered it yet? I don't know. Hang on. Let me, I'm going to go to, let's see, Twitter dot cam slash is it chipotle tweets it's not chipotle because that's some guy named chip clark okay they have reclaimed it and his bio is they have the internet on computers now homer simpson (laughs) (laughs) wow they don't have chipotle no they have chipotle tweets they could claim because that's the one way i know because i want pseudo michael (laughs) is if you have a trademark and chipotle almost certainly has a trademark they, but, they could probably get twitter.com slash Chipotle. But Chipotle is also – it's like a thing. Like you can't trademark barbecue sauce or – Yeah. You know what I mean? But they, they'd have a shot at getting Twitter's attention. Yeah. They have 634,000 followers. <laughs> They're probably fine. Yeah. Just look – all you have to do is look for the iconic black swastika in red <laughs> backdrop and you know you found Chipotle. Is that still the case? No, they got it back. Okay. <laughs> they should give free burritos to everyone. I'm sure that's the joke that's been tweeted at them a million times already. Definitely. Yes, I've been traumatized. Give me a free burrito. I do that think it would be trivialize cool. World War II at I do, all. I do think it would be cool if they gave free burritos to anyone that the account hate at replied or like free chips or something. Because, I mean, those people actually were directly affected. Like, you open your phone notifications or something, and it's just, like, all this hate speech. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know that's not the real business, but that's still not pleasant. And who knows? Maybe they did try to get in touch with some people and be like, hey. They're they're a pretty good company. I wouldn't be surprised if they even are sorry about the Holocaust. (laughs) (laughs) So we do have a big topic for today. Yeah. um, After all these little noodlings. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And that's net neutrality, the neutrality. It's maybe happening. Yeah, net neutrality may may win. <laughs> um, and if I mean this, this was sort of last week's news, but we had a different kind of episode last week, so <laughs> we pushed it off. But basically, uh, the FCC decided to use its big gun that it keeps in the closet in the back room, which is. Basically, to reclassify broadband providers, ISPs in particular, as Title II, under Title II, as common carriers, which means they can enforce net neutrality, which means awesome. Yeah, I think you have a good quote in here from, uh, is it Tom Wheeler? Yeah. Yeah, Tom Wheeler says, uh, My proposal assures the rights of Internet users to go where they want, when they want, and the rights of innovators to introduce new products without asking anyone's permission. Yeah, I want to give a slow clap for that. That, and de- that deserves a slow clap. In the because context. That, that always felt like a foregone conclusion. And then in the last like five years, it was like, no, it's not. Yeah. 
And I mean, there's a, there's a lot of misinformation out there. I've had some conversations in different parts of the web um, and on Facebook. And the, the big misconception I can't stand is, oh, they're regulating the Internet. Right. No, they're regulating ISPs, the people that control the very last mile of the Internet and that want to leverage their customers against everyone else that does stuff on the Internet. Yes. And there's also, I think, a big misunderstanding. I think you've talked about this before. Like, freedom of speech is not does not absolve you from criticism. Yeah. And people keep saying like, oh, well, they're going to censor the internet and they're going to, it's going to change what can be on the internet. And I don't see how it could be because freedom of speech literally only protects you from government censorship. Yeah. So I don't see how they could get around that easily. I think the precedent for people is the FCC does have a list of words you basically can't say on TV and radio. That's Here's true. my point as an argument against the fear. The, the Oh, this is the groundwork for future badness regulation. And that's the FCC could do the wrong thing at any point, And this whole groundwork <laughs> thing is pointless because as long as the FCC has the authority they have, if you get a terrible person in charge, they can already kind of wreak havoc. Right. And it has nothing to do with net neutrality being a great idea. It is a great idea. We should yes. have rules to enforce it. And no, it's not some inevitable slippery slope. That's not the right argument. Well, I think... So we uh, we followed a few different threads. Like there were some article threads that actually had like okay comments, and I know there was a big Reddit thread we both checked out. And the most genuine concern, even though it's unfounded, I feel like is the censorship thing because it's like okay, you're right. We censorship is bad. No, we're not refuting that, but I don't think that these two things are inextricably linked. You can have neutrality. No, of net the neutrality pipes. is completely unrelated to the censorship issue. Well, I mean, government control is not yeah. does not automatically imply censorship. Like there are things the government regulates that they then censor in zero ways. Yeah, like most things. <laughs> so, and even I mean, in our lifetimes, I remember a time when you couldn't say like shit at any time of day on television on any channel. You couldn't show boobies, and you, there's all kinds of things you couldn't do. And then somewhere like in our late teens, early 20s, suddenly it was like, well, okay, after 1 a.m. Yeah. Well, now after midnight. Okay, now after 11. And the way Now I- parental controls on TVs, do whatever you want. Right. And that's the way I always interpreted it was the reason radio and television were censored was because a child could accidentally stumble on those things. Yeah. Whereas with the internet... We have controls now. Yeah, you have really sophisticated controls that are easily beaten using wikipedia but that's not the point (laughs) well maybe the internet's a little tougher but like your your cable subscription it's a little easier to yeah you can lock that down netflix has netflix kids and amazon has i think they call it free time or something but i mean this is a mostly solved problem so i i don't see why any of those tv and radio censorship rules would have to apply to the internet when We've solved this I problem. I think it's a distraction. I mean, yeah, maybe we'll have a censorship battle someday on the internet. Probably. But that's, to me, that's just like a look over here. Don't look at this, you know, it's it's a distracting <laughs> red herring, pay, whatever. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. And to me, the point is that we the FCC is finally using the actual legal standing it has to enforce net neutrality. And... I'm comfortable saying very plainly that I support net neutrality and I yep. think it's a good thing. And um, 
I mean, there's people like, is this the only way? Why couldn't they? We do some other way to, you know, make sure the internet <laughs> stays groovy. And, you know, the answer to that is they tried. They tried different rules. They tried to enforce net neutrality in different ways. And they, they lost the court cases because yep. they weren't using their better legal standing, which is Title II. And I think what another interesting thing, and, you know, a lot of this, you know, it's like, yeah, we won, but really there's, this is a long war is <laughs> they're still voting on the actual proposal he put forth, right? which I expect the FCC to approve it. But then Congress at any time, if, you know, sufficiently motivated can strip the FCC of this authority, they yeah. could change the rules. Like, and that's where I worry because Congress is not only more influenced by, uh, lobbyists, but also it's harder to, mount a public campaign that pressures all of Congress to do the right thing. Right. It was easy to pressure the FCC. I mean, I don't want to say easy. It was easy compared to yes. Congress. And, and so there's more battles to be fought, but it's it's a big win. And one of the interesting things is that the rules will also be applied to mobile networks. Yes. I have to say, before we talk about mobile networks, um, Tom Wheeler actually said in his uh, statement that there was this unprecedented almost 4 million comments came into the FCC. So like, cause so I was some of those comments, you know, like I signed petitions, I, you know, submitted yeah. stuff to my Congress people and to the FCC. So it, it's kind of nice to hear. I mean, maybe it's a platitude, but it was nice to hear him directly say like, Hey, you know how we're a government organization and that means we serve the people? Well, we're making this decision based on feedback from the public. Yeah. It's like, oh, good. So the system works sometimes. Well, I Neat. think that it, it really did give him political cover to be like, yeah, millions of people want this. And um, it's easier for him to be like, not only do I think this is the right thing to do, but I've got yeah. tons of people who want this. Four million nerds can't be wrong. <laughs> and we're not. Um, it just adds, you know, a, a force and inertia to it that it wouldn't have otherwise. So, so sometimes broad, it does work. Yeah, mobile broadband. Yeah, so I mean, in the past when the FCC's done some stuff in the space, they kind of always left mobile as like, well, you're special, mobile. Your data, is special data, with no clear indication of why. Yeah, and I mean, it's always been their version of think of the children is think of the congestion. Think of the spectrum. Won't someone but, please think of the spectrum? <laughs> so uh, mobile providers like Verizon and AT&T have always been given a ton of leeway to m shape the traffic of their network. Right. And I think there's still kind of been an understanding, like, don't distinguish different types of traffic, but you can throttle people in, in different ways that you couldn't do in traditional ISPs. Right. Um, Even and, though they were kind of secretly doing it, but that's another thing. Yeah, I think there is still technically some exceptions where mobile providers can do some stuff in his proposal, but it's a lot less. Right. Well, and because with – I feel like with mobile providers, you have this tiny argument that is a valid argument of like emergency services. Like if I'm – if you and I live in a rural area and you're streaming Spotify and Netflix and you're playing a game on your console that's you know over wireless for some stupid reason, like – and I need to call 911, like I need to be able to get through. Yeah. So there's like a tight – but that's – I mean it's a corner edge of a corner's edge case. So other than that, like I really don't want to see a lot of shaping 
in in mobile broadband, just like I don't want to see that in wired broadband. Like I just yeah. want to see the dumb pipe, like be a big dumb pipe. Now that being said, uh, I think this might have been in Verge comments, but someone pointed out uh, when I was researching this uh, that T-Mobile actually, you know, this might have been in the article. It doesn't matter. Someone pointed <laughs> out that T-Mobile. And I love T-Mobile. They are actually guilty of violating net neutrality in a way that benefits us. In a way that benefits us, and I'm I'm totally guilty. I was like, awesome. I love free data for certain services, and I so yeah. Explain that. So if you use certain streaming music services, it doesn't yes. count as part of your data plan. Exactly. So on T-Mobile, if you use like Spotify, RDO, uh, like Google Play Music, Pandora, these kinds of services. And it's a big list. If you use any of those services, it doesn't count against your data, which means you now are incentivized to use those music services and not other yeah. music services. And they're also distinguishing the kind of traffic. So right. it's incentivizing music streaming and it's, say, you are another form of enjoying audio content. You now have to compete against music yeah. that doesn't count against data plans. And and so, it, it yeah, it's against net neutrality because it is – sort of picking winners and losers over the long term. Yeah. And and I I like the idea of and I think we've talked about this. I like the idea of a very fair price per gigabyte and then just saying use all the damn data you want and yeah, we'll just build it. That's you for what it. I want. Yeah, have competition to drive the prices down to their efficient level. And let me pay per gigabyte. I'm happy. I don't need an unlimited plan. I just want to pay a fair price and then I can moderate my own usage. Right. Now, I don't know if I agree with that for wired broadband because I feel like the size of their pipe is so much ridiculously larger that to say like, oh, well, the network's going to get congested. It's like, no, it's not. It's yeah. not. It's just not. Well, I'm, are you so? Would you not be in favor of a fair price per gigabyte on Wired? I I think a fair price for unlimited on Wired yeah. is a reasonable. See, I don't, is a technologically reasonable objective. I don't mind metered as long as there's competition. Yeah, and I mean that's the then, thing is without then, competition, a meter is just a tax for no reason it's yeah. tax for tax sake and so i mean i pay from, based on how much water or electricity i use and so i i can i'm happy to do that with the internet water is an interesting one water is a really good analogy because you actually don't pay for water you pay for the infrastructure that moves water yeah which is a very uh, i think it might have been some NPR show just did a thing about this because in lots of other countries, you do actually pay for water because it has to be like cleaned and stuff. And that's why our water is so cheap. That's also why our water infrastructure is like crumbling and yeah. unmaintainable because <laughs> they've priced themselves out of the market. Um, but I, I think – OK. So if if you're going to do metered, what happens – do you just keep getting billed forever? Like if you're streaming 4K Netflix, does your bill just go up and up? Uh, do you want them to set a limit and then after that limit, your speed goes down, but then your price also goes down? Like how would you want that to be handled? Um, I don't think I have a preconceived idea, but I'm I'm open to seeing what works for that. Yeah. Um, but at a base level, I'm happy to pay for what I use if there's competition driving it down. Right. Um, and, you know, with Google and some other companies getting into it, I don't see how that wouldn't be good in the long run. Yeah, uh, competition, 
pretty much universally well, like, a positive, right? Um, some of the opponents of net neutrality actually like to use Google as an example. Um, an example I agree with in their specific situation of, yeah, whenever Google shows up to make broadband, prices go down, quality goes up. Yeah. Oh. Not disputed whatsoever by me. It's wonderful. Um, guess how many markets Google has been able to get into? <laughs> Yeah, there are, supposedly this year is the big push, but and, it's still only like 18 major cities. Yeah, and there's lots of – if someone like Google has trouble becoming a last-mile provider of internet, that tells you that there's there's not going to be a lot of natural competition coming up. Yeah. And so, the I mean, one of the big problems is just digging and laying fiber or getting access to existing fiber. And a, a lot of what Google does is they don't want to pay – it's sort of like, oh, the – the telephone company wants to dig, and now Google wants to get, dig, and then now five other companies want to take their turn digging. And so what Google's kind of fought for in some communities is have some central organization of a dig is happening. Right. Everyone share the cost of the one dig and get your stuff done. Mm-hmm. And then it's way cheaper for everyone, and you just have to coordinate. And that way you're not tearing up your, your land constantly for every single company and then you don't need only billionaire companies that can afford to dig and lay stuff. <laughs> and so that makes a lot of sense to me, but clearly not a lot of communities are able to do, make that happen, which is why Google's not everywhere, which is why competition isn't going to be everywhere naturally in the last mile. Right. That's another big reason I'm for net neutrality. I'm like, there's not going to be 15 companies trying to sell me broadband. No. There's going to be two or three at most. Yeah, which so. is still a hell of a lot better than one or none. Yeah. Because, I mean, we, you know, you and I live in a major metropolitan area, but there are a lot of people who live way the hell out in rural nowhere. And the thing that's very frustrating for those people is if they have cable service and telephone service, which most people do, I mean, you've got to really go out into the sticks before you don't even have telephone if you have those, there's a really good chance that it's AT&T or Verizon. There's a really good chance that at the same time, those companies laid cables that can handle broadband internet. But it's not worth it for just a handful of customers in a rural area for them to maintain service out there. Yeah. You know, like have a local store, reps you can call and all that stuff. Because Comcast known for their customer service. <laughs> so a company like Google could if they wanted to or anybody you know you and i we could start an isp if we were allowed access to that fiber that's already in the ground and this is exactly what happened with telephone lines was at&t was forced to become a common carrier yes it was basically recognizing no one else is going to build out the infrastructure you have and so you have to let other people use your infrastructure for a fair rate. Yeah. And I think in a lot of instances in a metropolitan area, it's not no one else is going to. It's they literally can't. It's, you can't just like tear up the streets yeah. and be like, oh, well, there's already cable under the sidewalks. So now we're going to destroy all the streets and put cable under there. Yeah. Then we're going to start tearing up people's houses and put cable under so, there. Like you just – it's not feasible. I, I have like a – part of my gut has a sympathy for the, like the libertarian fever dream of, <laughs> yeah, we would need to talk about net neutrality if there was a 100 companies and they were competing because the second one company got douchey enough – 
another company would just be like, yeah, we're cheaper. Yeah, we're not going to do that to you. And it would win. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to have that. So we need something. Yeah. And I think, so there's two things I want to get out before we can move on. And also, if you have anything else. <laughs> um, the, the first is the what's next. And I think, so FCC is going to vote on this rule. Presumably, they're going to pass what Wheeler put I think, forth. Is it this week? Next week. Something sometime soon. What's going to happen is all the big players are going to sue. Yep. And they'll probably actually lose these lawsuits because... Oh, I'm sorry. i got to interrupt you. This is not you speculating that they're going to sue. The companies have literally declared, yeah. if you pass this, we will sue you. So barring con- Congress interfering or doing something, what's going to happen is they will sue. They will lose those lawsuits because the FCC's recent proposal is well in hand with what their legal grounding is allowed to do. Yes. So they're going to win those lawsuits if they happen. And then what happens is the big players will try to concede anything and everything to not be regulated as under Title II. So my guess is they will promise the moon and promise all sorts of behavior (laughs) just to fend off being regulated as under this i, I always think those yeah, i don't know of, if that'll happen but yeah i think those kinds of compromises are interesting because if you are let's say comcast and the government says it comes in and says we're going to make you do a b and c and comcast says well if you don't force us to do a b and c we'll do a b and c and also d and it's yeah. like so I can be guaranteed three things I want, or I can be promised with no guarantee three <laughs> things I want, and maybe a fourth thing. Like that's a, yeah, it's a stupid but argument, and yet a, it works all the time. There is a reason the companies want to do it, and it's because in their current setup, they're allowed to make astronomical profits, and <laughs> yeah. un, under being regulated as a utility, it's good business. You can have a profitable company under regulation, but your shareholders aren't going to see the kinds of returns and growth and explosion that you get when you're a free agent and can just kind of basically have the crazy margins you want everywhere. Yeah. And this is, I mean, though I do want to say this does not title two doesn't regulate the pricing and it it, it actually doesn't unbundle the last mile. So they can still say you need phone and this or that. This is how we want to sell it. Yeah. And we should mention that, uh, Tom Wheeler specifically said, we don't have to apply and we don't plan to apply Title II exactly as we did. Well, it's called forbearance. they got to decide which yeah. rules apply and which don't. Exactly. Which means they're trying, in an ideal world, What the, the reason they're doing that is because they're trying to be thoughtful about how the internet is different from telephones or you know cable or, or broadcast networks. So I... I respect that they're they're trying to be thoughtful about it, and I'm also hopeful that it's not that they're just being manipulated and this will be a shell regulation that won't actually change anything. Yeah. Because I don't want them to regulate prices. I, I actually do believe the market does that pretty well when there's competition yeah. and it's fair, and I don't want them to uh, force them to unbundle the last mile yet. Yeah, but I do think that do that th- should happen eventually. I do think that's been proven in other parts of the world to be a good thing. Yes, um, it's, I feel like the the problem of data shaping and throttling for no reason other than like, yeah, we're mad at Netflix right now, so we're going to throttle them. Like yeah. that stuff needs to be stopped first. Then yeah. we can get to the next problem. I feel yeah. like if they try and tackle too many major things at once, then it will just all collapse. Yeah, 
Um, so the one other thing I wanted to get out is to beware of arguments you see where people are basically saying net neutrality doesn't solve all problems, therefore we don't need it. Because <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a, a fallacy, but it, it's one I've seen around is like, well, net neutrality doesn't fix this or fix that. And I'm like, yeah, that's a different problem. Right. Net neutrality which solves. We will have different solutions. Yeah. Net neutrality solves the problem of this one segment of the internet, and I need to get this across to people. It's not the entire internet; it's just the last mile right. that wants to leverage their position unfairly, and that's what net neutrality is all about. Saying yeah. no, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, and and I don't know why. I all of the arguments that I've seen that make sense at first glance don't hold up to scrutiny. The problem is because those are easy to arrive at shallow arguments, they pop up just over and over yeah. and over and over and over. And it's, I mean, this is a fact when you're exposed to something over and over, subscribe to all of our shows at sunriserobot.net. <laughs> <laughs> when you're exposed to something over and over, like you just start to believe it. Even yeah. when you've been presented with no new evidence, this is why campaign ads run a thousand times a day during election season. You just start to believe it. Yeah. Um, I liked your analogy the other day of, um, I was in a conversation with some people about net neutrality and you, you had the example of should books cost different to produce based on like the meaning of the words on the page. Right. It, you know, not like do you have, you know, high quality, glossy artwork. I could understand that making it more expensive to print your book, but that's different materials. But if they're like, no, your book's about, uh, it's kind of a niche topic, man. So the paper's going to cost more now. Right. Doesn't make any sense. Nope. Or, you know, your television show has a different topic than this other one. So I'm going to charge you more. Yeah. And this is exactly why digital communications are kind of magical to me because, uh, you know, NPR, which has a relatively large budget and then, um, like there was Serial, which was a huge production, took, you know, lots, dozens of people and years of research to like get it out. Like they have exactly as much access to you as we have to you, listener. And that's <laughs> awesome because we don't have millions of dollars in our budget. Like I love the idea that content is bits, period. Like it's just all yeah. ones and zeros. And, and then you're, what you're going after is getting people to want to, you know, listen to or read or look at your content. Like it's basically, yeah, you got to win on your merits and not just because you you own the pipe. Yeah, <laughs> that's, and that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, one of the with Comcast specifically, one of the biggest things uh, they always came under scrutiny for, which I think is reasonable, is they provide some kinds of content that they were competing against in other industries. So there's a big incentive for Comcast on-demand service to be lightning fast on Comcast and then for Netflix to maybe be not as fast. Or, you know, pony up some extra cash, Netflix, and yeah. you can be just as fast as us. Yeah. Don't you wish you were as fast and as cool as Comcast Direct yeah. or on-demand or whatever the hell it is? Yeah, it's just a, a net neutrality would stop stuff like that yeah. from happening. Because I don't care if Comcast I'm, wants to be a vertically integrated company and produce content and, and no, they, whatever. Like, that's fine. Comcast is allowed to win, but I just want them to win because they actually make the best service and not <laughs> right. because they are able to bully out competitors. So do you want to mention this last one? Or do you just not? Are you, are you tired? It's up to you. Okay. We can give it a shout out quickly because I think it's worth complaining about. Um, <laughs> So Apple, it hasn't even been announced. It hasn't even been announced. <laughs> but Apple is, and there's. I'm sorry. Before we finish net neutrality, 
Um, there's some really great links in the show notes uh, to the, this huge Reddit discussion that we did a lot of our research on. Um, and I would encourage people to look at that with a skeptical mind. Like, go in and see where people are making really shallow, stupid arguments. Don't just accept any of it as fact. Even the stuff that's pro-net neutrality. Yeah. Because some of those arguments are dumb, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Apple is, you know, they bought Beats. Yep. I don't know why. <laughs> they bought Beats. Because Spotify is threatening them. Yeah. And they're, so they're going to do another music service. They already have iTunes Market Store thing where you can buy music. They have iTunes Radio. Yeah. And is this, I guess this is going to be separate. This will be, I think this will be a full-on Spotify style service. So radio isn't isn't quite like, it's more like Pandora, Pandora than yeah. Spotify, which I, I have no sense of, Pandora's still around. Is it still <laughs> really popular? Um, I use Pandora for a couple of very niche reasons, yeah. but I do not just I never, listen to I Pandora. I never got hooked on it, but I do think there is a following still there. Um, yeah, I think they're feeling the heat of people just aren't buying music anymore. Mm. And iTunes may still be million a millions of dollar business, but it's not growing. It's going the other direction. <laughs> and so I think they, they feel they, they need some relevance here. The the question is, will they be relevant <laughs> against well, Spotify? Beats did not have a good reputation. Yeah, I mean, it, it may have been popular in in certain circles. Like, if you were big into the Beats headphones and you liked Beats software, then you might be like, yeah. "Well, I'll use their service." But I think in general, people were like, eh. "Yeah, I actually tried the free trial like half a year ago or something, just to see what it was like." and it's a competent standard. It streams music. It right. works, but it was, you know, all the mojos with Spotify right now. That's, oh yeah, that's what people think of and use. And so I, I think Apple is recognizing that momentum could be threatening to their their relevance in music. Also, it doesn't help that I mean, this is more of a geek thing, but you know, techies hate itunes have for years <laughs> e- you know even some of the most fanboy of apple fanboys is willing to be like yeah fuck itunes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i uh, it's frustrating because i don't know what i really want out of a music streaming service because i think i'm actually a good like case study of the average music consumer because when I want to listen to music, I want to listen to music. I don't really care where it comes from. Chances are I'm not listening to anything super obscure. Like I have some weird taste, but th- I know where to find those things. Yeah. But generally if I'm like, oh, there's a – I don't know. I've got Shake It Off stuck in my head and I just feel like listening to it or something. It's like I just – I don't really care what service I dial into. I just want to like reach out into the internet and have that song come back. Or if I just need like music while I'm running, I just want to like – play upbeat music like yeah. i don't really care where it comes from i don't feel loyalty toward a music yeah. service yeah I, i'd be interested to have actual data because i i think my hunch is that the way people listen to anything has changed oh yeah and i don't know <laughs> maybe we'll have a, a broader episode on listening and streaming once there's some more news but yeah Spotify's winning in my mind right now. When you use Spotify, do you listen to playlists you made, playlists other people made? Do you use the radio? I either am just directly searching for artists or I've made playlists for myself. See, I'm very big on other people's playlists and the radio. 
Because yeah. I, I just don't want to think about it. I just don't care that much. Yeah. Or it's like, I want to hear this song. So I search for yeah. that song. It's usually like a movie trailer or I like this other song and I want to see what that band has made and check out the rest of their stuff. Right. But again, musician, you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's a normal and yeah. like the average person doesn't do that. They want to listen to something like on their commute. Yeah, I will take this opportunity to say that my other podcast, Bits and Pieces, we are keeping a public Spotify playlist of all the songs we talk about, if they're on Spotify. So now that one I will subscribe to. Yeah, so um, I'll throw that in the show notes, and you should go listen to Bits and Pieces. (laughs) So I think it's time to put a bow on this. Where can people find all the things and stuff and stuff? Yeah, go to sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables, and that'll be our full episode list. Or you can add a slash 53 on the end to get to this episode in particular. Um, And there's a couple things you can do to actually support us. Um, Now that we're running a big network, um, we want to keep putting out free shows. We will always put out free shows, but... um, running a network has some infrastructure costs and we keep the lights on with the help of wonderful people like you listeners like you um <laughs> this is our pbs pitch no um, tote bags though um there's a couple things you can do um number one if, if you actually are just feeling like parting with some money you can actually donate to our patreon and this will just very very directly support what we're doing and, and where is that patreon so if you go to it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com slash sunrise robot and uh, we've made a little video there we've kind of described what what we're on about with sunrise robot um and you know even just one dollar makes a big difference and we would be so thankful um but you know if that's not your thing or you know you're in a, in a situation where you you can really toss money out at things like this there's other ways you can support us and number one is you can tell people about the network and you can go onto itunes and rate us yeah that's even though we, i think both of us hate itunes as like a <laughs> piece of software um most podcast directories still scrape itunes yeah and the people look at their top lists and yeah. so the, the the more itunes ratings we get the that's a direct way you can help us out yeah and you can rate and review separate so rating is really awesome to have because that has how their algorithms work but a review is good too yeah. if you got an extra few minutes and as one of our patreon rewards so there's rewards depending on how much you you uh patronize yeah i I don't know what the (laughs) verb for that is uh donate yes what level of patron you become there you go um so we we have a patron at the the ten dollar level which means he gets a shout out at the end of every show every show on our network so this is our our first patron uh we special thanks to bruce edwards for becoming our our first patron our ten dollar patron and we will get uh, the support list is going to be updated today. So, yeah. So you'll be on there. And if you want to be one of those cool kids, you can become a supporter as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm Mike Edwards. You can find me on the internet at pseudomichael.com or on Twitter at Medwards Music. And I am David Lyons at lionsinbeta.com or lionsinbeta on Twitter. See you next week. <laughs>